When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hiker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino, we give you a full recap of OU's spring game. We're talking the crowd, Venables on the microphone, Baker's statue, speech, the former players there, and of course, the game itself. Whole lot to unpack. And then we finish with our winners and losers of the weekend. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right, our man Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, April 25th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and your health and safety are Riverwind's number one priorities. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And Riverwind will be featuring live music and local food trucks every month starting in May for the Beats and Bites Festival. Performers include the Randy Rogers Band and Scotty McCreary. If you need help finding your way, just visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now we're recording this Sunday night. Please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment while you're at it. How we feel it, Ted? It was a long weekend. I don't know if you can tell by my voice. It was. It was a long weekend, but man, it was fantastic. It was amazing. Saturday was amazing. Start to finish. Really, really cool stuff. Can't say enough about it. We got a lot to talk about because of the OU spring game, but there's only one place to start. And that is to give Sooner Nation their props. Uh, we, We talked about it on here a lot that if, we were not impressed by the size of the crowd that showed up that we would voice our displeasure on here. And we're about to do the exact opposite of that because Brent Venables challenged this fan base and they responded in a massive way. 
especially when you consider the forecast, right? I'd like, it's not like the weather was ideal. Now it turned out rain held off, storms held off, everything, but that was still kind of looming over the entire event. But for 75,360 people to show up. And by the way, that is not an overinflated number. No, I think it's, I think it's under uh, reported. And I'll tell you why I left the field right after the national anthem to go up to the booth. And at that point, the stadium was already, it was, it was getting close to full, but whenever I walked under the stadium to go to the elevator, I Gabe, as far as you could see back people lined up thousands of people lined up to still get in. I'm convinced that a bunch of people gave up because they weren't going to be able to get good seats and went elsewhere. They had to, there's, I just can't imagine that there was room for all the people that I saw. The, yeah, the gate situation was probably the only, and I, I really didn't even hear that many people complain about it, but yeah, I, it was hard to staff all of the gates, right? You have to have the security, the people working the metal detectors, looking in the purses and like all that stuff. So yeah, there weren't, all the gates weren't open and that created, yeah, that created a uh, bit of a quite, bottleneck, a, a bit of a bottleneck log jam, whatever, uh, whatever <laughs> term you want to use. But yeah, man, there were, I was, I was impressed. I was fired up and I was thinking about like, that was a better crowd than the crowd that OU had against Western Carolina last season. Oh, no doubt. There's, There's no, no doubt, doubt about it. Right. It's not, it's not close. It was amazing. It was amazing. It was exactly what I, I I expected the fans to show up. I mean, Sooner fans, whenever they're called on, they show up. And my goodness, did they show up Saturday. It was awesome. And the best part, we, we've talked a ton about, like, you show up to support the program, and, and Brent Vittable said, hey, this is how we go from good to great, right? Creating this type of atmosphere, this type of energy with the fan base creating just an absolute nightmare of an environment for opposing teams when they come to Norman. But I know, and I know that maybe everyone that listens to this podcast isn't on Twitter, but you saw tweet after tweet from current players about how awesome that was, former players about how awesome that atmosphere was, and then recruits. And OU was the cool place to be on Saturday, which I'm, and I'm not trying to make it sound like it hasn't been before, right? But everyone in the college football world was talking about the turnout in Norman. That was the goal. All the recruits talking about being in Norman. Some recruits say, man, I should have been in Norman. Instead of going somewhere else, like that is, that's the exact type of reaction that Brent Venables was hoping, hoping to create with, with this crowd and with this spring game. And man, it, it honestly couldn't have gone any better. I don't think, I really, I really don't think it could have. No, no. I, I think it was 
brilliantly executed from start to finish starting Friday. Um, you know, the recruits were obviously, like you mentioned, eating it up, former players everywhere, fans. I, I showed up early. I, was, I got on campus at about uh, a little before 11 o'clock, and it looked like we were playing a, a Big 12 conference game. That's how many people were already there on campus corner, uh, down around the stadium. It was packed. I knew as soon as I got off I-35 onto Lindsay Street that early, I was like, oh, boy, uh, we got some people in town. And honestly, I talked to people. I talked to someone on Friday that drove in from New Jersey. Um, people drove in from Nebraska, from Iowa from New Mexico, all over Houston, San Angelo, Texas, people from all over the place came in. And you know what they all said? Well, not all of them, but a lot of them said, I came because Coach Venables told me to, which I thought was awesome, you know? And I, I, I just love that everyone, it, they are a part of it. And Venables made everyone feel like they are a part of it. Like, if you were there, you are in on whatever happens in the future. You're a part of it. There's no doubt about it. It was really cool. And he he made everyone feel like a part of it during it, right? Yeah. Before the game, right? Takes the mic and cuts the best WWE promo in the history of college football. But And I was told that he was just supposed to talk to the fans right there. Like the thing he did calling all the former players out and you had already gone up to the booth. So you, you're not in the picture. What a loser. <laughs> but he, he kind of ad-libbed that. And it was like, he was like, I, I want these guys to be, to be recognized. And I think the, the final tally, I was told it was like 255 former players there. And from all, all different generations, like guys that played 40 years before me, guys that played with me guys that played out like it was it just the big name guys that were there it was like a recruiting gold mine man oh hey i'm a running back maybe i want to talk to adrian peterson demarco murray like ramondre stevenson like all of these guys like yeah maybe maybe that's a pretty good recruiting pitch quarterback maybe is, i'll talk to baker and kyler uh, you know and maybe some of the big name guys not as easily but because of how cool and it all went and all the stuff that they had for the former players, my guess is there's going to be a lot of guys around a lot more often. You know? That is that was the general consensus. I, I, I talked to Kenny Stills about this for quite a while on Saturday night about how, how that weekend felt like it's supposed to feel for former players. Yeah. Like, and I don't, I think you're, you're not asking to feel like a, you know, like a celebrity or anything like that, but just like, we all felt so appreciated and comfortable, right? Like it, it embraced and not just by the fan, but like the, the staff, like everyone coming up and saying, hi, we were all talking to recruits. Like it was, I don't know. It just, it just felt the way it's supposed to feel and. I'm with you. I think that's going to continue, right? I think guys, guys appreciate feeling appreciated. Yeah. And 
they're going to be more willing to help this program in whatever way they can moving forward because of the experience we all just had this weekend. Totally agree. Totally agree. It was awesome. When, when coach Venables has the mic, it's just, it's so fun. Like whenever he says boomer and you get the whole crowd yelling sooner, that was so cool. I loved every minute of it. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. That's a, that's a great picture. By the, by the way, you're not in it. I, I don't know if you forgot, but you're not. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't on the field for the picture. Okay, before we talk about the actual game, Baker Mayfield, it was his weekend, right? Now, of course, it, there was a the combination of things with BV and the new members of the staff and the, the fan base just being so fired up from what, what has transpired over the last couple of months. But there are a lot of people to see Baker Mayfield get his statue unveiled, and to support Baker Mayfield. And I thought the speech was great, right? Got choked up. You could tell how much that moment meant to him. You could tell how much OU means to him. And the the timing is great, right? Because kind of at the crossroads of his career for in the NFL, and he's got a lot of football left to play but I thought it it was just it was so awesome to be able to see the fan base show the support that they showed on Saturday it was I just because like normally at halftime like you're going and getting concessions you're going to the bathroom that's like it was like no one left their seats and they we all wanted to see that speech and it I thought he did a great job Kept the composure. Thought he was going to cry there for a second. Cracked a little bit. Oh, no, definitely crack cracked. Cracked a lot of it. Which, <laughs> but it was, it was really good. Thanked everyone, right? Thanked you know fans, coaches, teammates, support staff, right? Uh, talked about how much all of it meant to him. And then one of the cool parts, like you forget, he grew up like as an OU fan, like as a little kid. Like, hey, I dreamt of having a statue out there, and now I do. Like that's, it's an awesome story. Man, I, I know his pro career hasn't gone as well as he wanted it to go, but he he still he still can get it done in the NFL. But like his story, it's just it's a fantastic story. It's great. He's yeah, he he is um to be to be a Sooner fan and to grow up that way. And, you know, he was talking about throwing the football around outside of the, the stadium as a little kid. And then to have a statue out there, it's just awesome. Which, by the way, he says he, he says all the time that I snubbed him for an autograph whenever he was at a game. He's a total liar. It's a made-up story. If anyone hears it, do not believe what he says. Total fabrication on his part. Uh-huh. But he is I'm, – he is, I'm telling you, he's the most entertaining – football player I've ever seen he's a great representative for the University of Oklahoma and uh, I even even at the press conference afterwards whenever he talks about you know 
stiff arm and little brother, and they've got to live with that forever. It's just he's just perfect, man. That was such a great line. He's like, yeah, they got to deal with that for forever. That was <laughs> that was awesome. I thought one of one of my favorite lines in the speech, right, was, I think he said, "What we never left, but we are back." Mm-hmm. I liked that. That was good. Like, and it, it's kind of exactly how everyone was like. feeling. Yeah. Right. If you didn't, if you didn't feel, if you didn't walk away from that game saying, "We're winning a national championship, and it's not going to take very long for it to happen," then I don't know. You 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 witnessed something else than I did because it it was it was amazing. The whole thing was amazing. Um, Baker with that line, Venables talking about you know the the halftime speech and the new tradition and just. It, it was, it was, it could not have gone better. It, it, honestly, this Saturday could not have gone better. Are we going to talk about it? was perfect. Are we going to talk about the statue? Yeah. I, I walked by it. It looks fine in person. It looks fine. Like I, bad I lighting think, the night before bad lighting the night before, right? It, because from that straight on shot that was circulating all over Twitter, you can't tell it's a headband. It just right. looks like a, like when you see it in person, it's very clear. It's like, oh yeah, that looks good. And then yeah. you got the towel and all this stuff. And you know, we, cause we know like the play right. that it's from in the bedlam game. So I, I think number one, it has been established. Statue making is not easy. Tough. Yeah. Tough. And if, if you're one of those people complaining about it, Become the go-to statue person in the on the planet. Fix it if you're so if you're so offended by how some of these statues that people make are fix it. Become the statue person. Here's what I will say though. And I've never made a statue. Okay. I never have. I've never I've never even attempted to make an honest like drawing of a person for real. But this has got to be a rule of thumb for everyone. When in doubt, make the ears smaller. Right? When in doubt, make the ears smaller. I don't think anyone's going to ever complain about their ears being too small on a statue. Too big? Yes. Too small? No. I don't think so. I would say the same applies to nose as well. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think anyone's going to complain. Be like, ah, my nose looks a little small there. You don't, you don't want to walk away from the statue ever even noticing the nose or the ears. I think that's a good rule of thumb for statue yeah. making. I, but I, when I first saw it, I was like, okay. It was a bit like, I should not have seen it in that, that the lighting the whole situation was not good, but after seeing it outside, it, it looks, I think it looks great. It looks I, I t- very adequate. Yeah. Very adequate. You know, it's Baker Mayfield. It says it's him right on the base of it. It's not that <laughs> right. hard. I will say, does it kind of look like T 1000 from Terminator two? Yeah, it kind of does. We, we could, we could say the statue's adequate. We know it's Baker. It's good, but also acknowledge. Yeah. It, Kind of looks like the villain from Terminator 2. It kind of does. It's fine. That's not a bad thing. That's 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 reasonable. That's reasonable. But no, 
I thought it was great. I, my wife told me people were mad that it got unveiled on Friday night and this picture was circulating and not at halftime of the game. Did you hear any of that? I, I, I could understand why people are mad about it, but there was a big event for like former players. And I think people that donors financed the statue paid for it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, those people want to see it first. I get it. Right. You got to play the game, man. Like, right. No statue doubt. didn't build itself. I asked my wife is whenever she says that people were upset. I was like, does that mean like there was one person that said something or is there like a really a growing number of people? But all in all, I thought it ended up uh, being pulled off really nicely, man. The only other random thing I want to bring up before we actually recap what happened on the field. Jason Witten was randomly there. Yeah. I don't know. Is this son a recruit or something? I don't, but you, you talk about Mark Andrews and Jason Witten, Blake Bell. There's some, there's some tight end representation on the sideline as well. Touchdowns. There's some touchdowns caught, uh, from those boys. That's awesome. Yeah. I don't know, but yeah, Jason Witten was there. All right. Let's recap what actually happened on the field. But first the only place to stop when you are road tripping is loves travel stops. Loves has over 600 locations in 41 states, offering 24-hour access to clean and safe places. Whatever your road trip needs are, Loves has it. Fuel, fresh food, all the snacks and drinks, including my favorite, Java Amore. That coffee is fantastic. Loves also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones. They've expanded their mobile-to-go zone so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Loves Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. The Loves Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see that red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Loves Travel Stops. For a full list of what Loves has to offer, visit loves.com. Opolis Clothing is the exclusive home for all of our Oklahoma Breakdown merchandise. If you want to live your life in buttery soft comfort, Go to opolisclothing.com. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com and use our promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off your entire order. Still get a discount on all of the OU and OKC Thunder gear as well. That's opolisclothing.com and use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. And Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence. With a 12-to-1 student-to-teacher ratio, no student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. There are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join. And as a proud member of the OSSAA, there are 14 sports offered. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. You mouthing the ad read is that, were you trying to make me mess up? Yes, I was. I, well then in that case, too bad. Flawless read. I do want to mention Killed one it. thing. I got this question a lot at the spring game about whether you and I are involved with Barry Switzer's collective thing. I think we should make it clear. We are not. Cause I got that. I don't know if you got that question, but I got a lot of, Hey, are you and Teddy doing that? I didn't. I'd like to be involved as in uh, getting some of the money like the athletes are. I'd, I'd be involved that way if possible. 
Yeah, I, I will say this. So I got that question a lot. If I was involved, if you and I were involved, we are not involved in, in Barry Switzer's NIL collective. I listen, I will say this. I'm all for OU football players getting as much NIL money as possible. Love it. That being said, I will be stunned if that collective doesn't have to rebrand because because of the name, I will say they're going to have to rebrand because that website with, you know, with the meetings, Dusty Dvorak and I have had with the leadership at OU and the people that are in charge of licensing and branding at OU, that website pretty much violates everything they told us not to do. (laughs) So I'm just saying that if you take a look at that website right now, it's going to look a lot different here in the coming weeks. I would, I would guess. I'm just saying. Well, yeah. um... Can't use the logo. Can't use pictures of athletes. (laughs) <laughs> there's only one Oklahoma is copywritten by the university. They have that trademarked. Like they're, they're going to have some issues with some of that stuff. That's funny. Yeah. Well, Can't use the picture uh, of the stadium. I, I haven't even seen the website. That's funny. Uh, well, I, I know this it's, it, I'm glad that I'm glad that they've got that out there and it's up and running and the plan sounds fantastic. And I feel like it's it's at least something that they can present right now, you know, and start start kind of getting that a little bit. Um, I guess it's never going to be behind you, but to be able to to have something there in the forefront that's that's up and running and, and going is is a good thing. The yeah. more, the merrier. Yeah, the more, the merrier. Right, and yep. there are multiple. We're actually, you know, we're kind of building out our concept right now, and also. I think we're going to end up partnering with another group that also wants to help uh, OU athletes get NIL dollars. So yeah, there's going to be, there are going to be multiple players in this whole thing, but I will say I was, uh, I was strongly advised not to go the nonprofit route by some tax experts. They were like, Hey, how about you don't? I was like, okay, I won't. Yeah. That seems like that could be a, uh, a can of worms. Let's just say we're excited that OU's players have options, but got some kinks to iron out. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, hey, I, I'm just, like I said, I'm glad. And it, it looks like it's what well, it's not football. It's, uh, was it football, softball, men's basketball? Men's basketball. Is that what was going on with it? Yeah. Good stuff. And they used Hopefully the picture, uh, and they used the picture of a current softball athlete in an OU jersey. <laughs> Which you can't do. Well, maybe they paid her for it. I don't know. You, you have to get permission from the university. You got to remember, those images are owned by the university. Yeah. Especially when the logo is on the jersey. That's crazy. Well, I'm glad it's going. Let's, uh, let's get her cleaned up and uh, off and running. Just get it ironed out. It'll be fine. I think. All right, spring game. Recap. You want to start with offense? That's kind of how we do it during the season, yeah. right? We talk offense, then defense. So, offensively, got a glimpse of Jeff Levy's tempo, right? And yep. I, I think everyone can, can understand that they are going to play at an extremely fast tempo. 
And they, they kept things pretty simple in the passing game, pretty simple with the run concepts that they showed on Saturday. But I, I feel like we all got a good sense of how, how Jeff Levy wants to create space in the passing game, those super wide splits from the outside wide receivers, you know, being well past the numbers, you know, creating those throwing lanes for Dylan Gabriel, a lot of RPO stuff and just trying to get guys the ball in space and, and let them make plays. And I thought Dylan Gabriel looked pretty good. All things considered, right? 35 mile an hour uh, wind just kind of blowing gusting throughout the entire scrimmage. But I, I, I thought early when he was kind of having to go with both teams, I was like, this dude's going to get tired. Just like, yeah. Cause he was just going, he went like six drives in a row, didn't he? Yeah. So I was like, but what that first big throw to Weiss, right? I, I think that was a good, good illustration of the mobility you and I have been talking about. Like he moves well, mm-hmm. right? Jordan Kelly comes clean in a gap slide max protection that should it should just never happen ted i'm not gonna lose it i'm not but it should not happen left tackle keep your eyes in your gap it doesn't happen he doesn't have to make this play but you saw that ability to flush to the left throw a really accurate ball down the field to wheeze for a for a big play to set up that first touchdown for javante barnes i i know that he he probably wishes he had the back shoulder interception back Right now, that that was a hell of a play by Kendall Dennis. It was, by the way, that was that was a nice play. But had the touchdown to Mims on kind of a busted coverage. No one in the middle of the field at all checking him in a simple four vertical concept. But I thought all things considered, with the crowd, the energy, dude looked as calm and relaxed as you possibly can in that moment, and didn't look nervous. 19 to 24, 250 yards, touchdown and a pick. Looked pretty damn good, man. He did. I really liked how he orchestrated the offense. You know, he did a really good job getting to the line, moving them fast, um, always pressing to get up on the ball and get ready. Uh, you know, just had had total command of the offense is what you're looking for. And, you know, the tempo stuff is got to remember, OU has – the defense has been practicing against the offense all spring. Now, it's not a whole lot of time, but that was the 15th practice, and they've done a lot of moving the ball and scrimmage-type scenarios. You know, they've, they've had some work defensively against that tempo. you got to imagine a defense that hasn't worked against that tempo because currently no one else in the Big 12 does that, Right. At least not at that pace. Oh, remember, Oklahoma State did it for forever, and they've gone away right. from it. Yep. So you gotta you gotta imagine that teams are gonna be. It's gonna be like drinking from a water hose in a football game because a scout team cannot replicate that. They just can't. You can try all you want, but you're never gonna be able to go that fast with a scout team. So you're gonna be going into a game having never really defended it and. It's going to take a while to really, I mean, it's going to take a half to kind of settle into the tempo that you're getting. It's just, it's relentless. It never stops. So 
you got to you got to keep that in mind a little bit whenever you're watching the spring game because the defense they know what to they know that tempo they've played against it all spring so while even they were struggling with it imagine when when they face a defense that that hasn't prepared for it so i think that's something that's that's critical to keep in mind but you know and and i asked you about this is i think that especially in the fall i think that that tempo as long as the offensive line is in shape and i imagine they're going to be in even better shape come the fall I, that's, I imagine, going to make it way easier to play offensive line. Yeah. When when you're in much better shape than the defensive lineman you're going against because you've had an entire summer workout, uh, the, the entire, what, June and July, all tailor-made because no, knowing you're going to play with that tempo, and incorporate, incorporating that and that philosophy into the workouts. So you have that buildup in the summer. Then you have all of training camp to practice that tempo. Yeah, you get to, you know, week three in Lincoln. Those guys from Nebraska are going to be like, what the hell? <laughs> right. And the, the thing that, and you saw it in the spring game, and we talked about it on the broadcast, Ted, like when you go that fast, the defensive line cannot sub. And if they try to sub, you're, you're going to catch them either with 12 men on the field or they're not going to have enough guys. They're not going to be lined up. Like you're going to have a big advantage of as an offense if they do try to sub in some of those situations. But defensive tackles are used to playing two, three, maybe four snaps in a row. All of a sudden, they're out there and you're on play seven of the drive and you've been running tempo the entire time. They become they become useless, essentially. They're yep. just bodies on the field at that point. Yeah, and and the play calling the play calling goes for that. Like early in a drive, like they may run it on first down, and on second down. Like if they get a decent gain on first down, on second down, you better believe they're throwing a bubble away from the other team's sideline and making the D-line and everyone pursue across the field and they're going to be right back on the ball because you can't sub. They're making you run away from your sideline and it's just you're, they're going to get you gassed. They're, they're, there's a conscious effort in the play calling to exhaust you early in the drive and it works. It does. Yeah. And the, the tricky thing that Jerry Schmidt and his strength staff have to figure out is like, how do we get these guys in incredible shape while still making significant strength gains and speed gains and flexibility gains? Like it's, that's why you're paying that man what you're paying him. Right. Because you, it, it's not easy, right? When you're running that much and you're, you're trying to build up the ability to play offensively with that tempo, it, it's hard to do that and to really pack on muscle on guys. But it sounds like they feel very confident that that's exactly what they're going to do. Yeah. Because they saw some really good results in winter workouts. So 
going to be a long summer of building some cardio capacity. Oh, my gosh. Okay, running backs. <laughs> thought Eric Gray, we knew he wasn't going to do much. Uh, had that nice 50-yard run, right? I, I think that's where you see a little more explosiveness from him this year, a little more strength and explosiveness in that lower body this year. He he loves the new offense. I talked to him about it on the sideline, just how it puts him in positions to use his vision and use his quickness and finds him a little more space. And not that's just not on the edges. That's with, with some of the stuff that Levy has – has put in uh, with that zone scheme like that, that can be within the tackles or on the backside. You saw several of those runs in the game kind of fit off the backside of these zone concepts. So I thought Eric Gray looked good. Javante Barnes. Whew. I, I know that he didn't have any like big, long, explosive runs, but he looks, you hand him that thing. He looks explosive. The acceleration, had the two touchdowns where I thought he showed nice leg drive and power punching those in. So I I think he looked good just like I expected him to out there. I think there's a pretty good chance that in two years, he may be the best back in the Big 12. You know, we're talking about a kid that's supposed to be a high school senior right now. And he totally looks like he belongs out there on the field with these guys. Big, tall, think he's got to work on running lower, which is standard for a young guy, and especially running back that's that big that can get away with a lot of things at the high school level. Uh, but he's got a great jump start. And I, I would imagine that a summer with Schmitty, uh, a good, tough, physical fall camp, like I imagine that's going to be, halfway by halfway through the season, Javante Barnes is going to be a dude. Yeah. Now, no Marcus Major in the game, right? Because now I, I I did talk to him and he said he's healthy, said he's good to go, that it was just precautionary because he had missed so much of spring ball. It's like, and you talk about being calloused all the time, right? Like you take those hits and you you like prepare your body in spring. And for him to miss all of that didn't make any sense for them to throw him out there in the spring game setting. So He's healthy. It'll be good for good for summer workouts, and it's going to be an important summer for him. I still think that he is he's going to be RB two starting, you know, starting out because he just he's such a powerful and strong runner. But that's if Tawi Walker doesn't, I mean, push Marcus good Major good. for kind of that role as the power back right now. We knew he was a physical guy. I really thought he showed good hands out of the backfield, had a couple nice catches, uh, you know, yards after the catch as well, finished those runs physica uh, physically. I, I don't know if there's going to be a big competition between him and Major, but uh, Toby Walker looks like a guy that is going to continue to put up a fight. I know that fumbled going into the end zone, not ideal, but he – he kind of followed that up with a nice patient run where it bounced it outside. No contained player for the defense. I'm sure that made Venables really happy and, you know, scored a touchdown. So I thought that, and that was right before the half. I thought that all things considered, he's, he's the guy. I guarantee you he's the guy that all OU fans 
are talking about on Monday going, dude, hey, right? Walker, right? When he realistically may be RB4 for this football team, but it's a good, he could, he could help, man. I don't don't know how much, but seems like a guy that's physical and runs tough. I, I liked what I saw. I had a nice showing. Yeah, that one run where he, you know, was patient, started in the interior and cut it all the way back to the outside, you know, and, and that's that's kind of what that zone game does is the edge guys get impatient, think that you've tucked it up on the inside. They start peeking in to go help, and you bounce it out around the edge, and you're off to the races. thought that was a, a really good run and, and blocked up nicely. Good job by him. Um, it did remind me of something, though, whenever you talked about catching the, the ball out of the backfield. How weird was it to see a check down? So many balls in the flat. Yeah. We haven't seen a we haven't seen a check down thrown to a back over the middle in I don't know how long. I don't know if Lincoln ever had anyone throw a check down ever in his offense. I am I am all for right when you look at the running backs that I think are going to, you know, be significant contributors for this team. You look at you look at Eric Gray, you look at Javante Barnes, you look at Marcus Major. Um, we'll see if Dawi Walker ends up earning some playing time, and we'll see what Sawchuck brings to the table when he gets on campus. But those three guys that I think are the top three, yeah, get them the ball in space and make people tackle them. It's it's a pretty good strategy. Yep. It's not, you know, get them, get them the ball, get them some touches, and make people tackle Let's see what happens. Generally, they're going to be way better in space than anyone else out there there on the field. More difficult to tackle. There's going to be some receivers that can catch it in stride and do some stuff. But if you can clear out some space and dump it to a running back, they're going to do some good stuff. Normally. All right. Pass catchers offensively. Thought Marvin Mims looked like the best player on the field. He, He looks fast right now. He's healthy. He feels good. He was smiling a whole lot on the sideline. He just looked like he was having some fun. And maybe it's because he was making plays. I think that showed a little more physicality with the ball in his hands. A nice stiff arm at one point, you know, kind of finishing some runs. One step it out of bounds or anything like that. So now I did he really do that much on the touchdown he scored? No, no one was covering him, but that's not his fault. He's wide open. I, to me, he looks like a guy that is going to have a big year. I know that, I know he's not the biggest guy in the world. I know that we've been very high on Jaleel Farouk, and he had a a few nice plays Mm -hmm. in the game, but I was was impressed with the speed that Mims played with. Yeah, he looked good. Um, He looked like, uh, a guy that's poised to have maybe his best year and that's saying something he's been really consistent and I imagine he's going to get the ball a lot I I think that we saw them test deep early and hit a couple of other deep balls but Lebby in in re- a real game in the fall you're going to see them throw deep a bunch and with all the different guys that they've got it's going to be fun to see what they can do. And I think Mims 
is, is going to become a really, really good deep threat. Yeah. And then Jaden Gibson is really tall and has really long strides. <laughs> I mean, that he's, touchdown is going to be that dangerous. A, that was a good ball from Bowens, but man, when he catches it in stride and he has a step, he, he was running away from people on that yep. play. And despite him seeing, it seemed like he needed oxygen at the very end of the game because he had to play so many plays <laughs> with, <laughs> with how fast they were going tempo late, but you just, you see him and you just think about what he's going to be in the future. Right. I, I'm not, I'm not so worried about this year. Right. Although I think, Hey, he, he can help him. I do. But you think about what he's gonna, what he's gonna be when he weighs two hundred and fifteen pounds instead of you know one ninety five or whatever he is right now. That dude's gonna be a monster. He's gonna be he's an absolute got, monster. He's got the frame to put on some serious weight, and I agree. I think the uh, the sky's the limit for him. And you know, you said it best a couple weeks back when we were talking about these guys. It's it's a basketball team, and it really is. I absolutely love the variety of this wide receiver core. Love it. Yeah. Different body types, different skill sets. Um, that's that's usually how you want it to be with the wide receivers. And then as far as tight ends, just not a ton of action for them, right? A lot of stuff in the run game where whether they're running split zone, whether they're running zone, where – the backside guard and tackle were locking on man to man, and the the tight end was inserting on the backside backer. Some of the stuff working to the backside backer, having the tight end come around for the front side backer. Saw some counter. You'll see counter. It's not going to be GT counter from Levy. Now, maybe they end up running some of that in the season, but you saw just kind of traditional pull the guard and then have the tight end kind of in that nasty position backside uh, right off the hip of the tackle wrap around for the second, you know, for the second guy in that scheme. And I thought that overall, the thing that impressed me the most about the tight end group, I thought they blocked. Well, uh, Willis looked good blocking. He didn't play a ton, right? He's an important player for this team, but one guy that really, really kind of flashed for me as a blocker was the Llewellyn kid. I thought yeah. he did some nice, some nice stuff in the run game. A big dude. He's a big dude. It's a big freshman. Yeah. yeah, I thought the I thought the tight ends uh did good for the most part. I thought a couple of, of of Max Pros didn't go well for the tight ends, and I don't know if that was just some miscommunication stuff or or what, but um didn't get it locked down. But I love the sign of I I personally think going Max Pro is awesome. Give, if you've got a couple of wide receivers that you really love that can do some great things downfield, if you can go max pro and give that quarterback an extra count or two and let those guys go like post corner and stuff like that and, and make some moves downfield and try some deep balls, that could be a really dangerous weapon. So I'd like to see that in the offense. But I don't know. I'm I'm interested to see if in the fall, if we see those guys more active in some of the passing game stuff. Yeah, that'll be interesting. And then offensive line wise, it, it's kind of just hard to tell with all the starters not playing together. Uh, but I, it, 
as I went back and watched the the TV broadcast, and Toby and Dusty did a really good job on the call of that. I I liked what I saw from the guys that I think are going to be key contributors. I, I thought that Wanya Morris was very composed, played well in the run game, well in pass protection. Anton Harrison, I think he's he's a guy that's continuing to get better. Uh, Chris Murray did some really good things there at, at right guard. I think that McCade, and I guess you say it, Met Ayer, Metayer? Metayer? Metayer, I guess, is the way you say it. Okay. Which I feel like that's the fifth different way I've said that. But, you know, him and Marcus Alexander, that's going to be, I, I think that'll be a kind of a three-man race for those two guard positions between Metayer. God, that's annoying. Metayer. Metayer. Okay, I got it. Matayer Alexander and Murray, I think are as it stands right now, are are the the three guys kind of for those two guard positions. And then Conjol, he battled, he still has a club on his hand, and Andrew Rame didn't play. So not exactly a not exactly a spring game where you're gonna really be able to evaluate what this offensive line is gonna look like week one because the guys didn't play on the same line and you know, the guy that projects as the starting center didn't even play. So I wish I had some, wish I had some more hard hitting analysis for you, but I will say they converted some fourth downs converted on the goal line. I mean, that's what I was about to say. Some handled the the tempo. Well, down, down on the goal line, I thought was good. Just, you know, with, with a little bit different style of running game, seeing them stay on some of those doubles, and get really good movement at the point of attack, uh, you know, especially on some of those drives where they've got the D-line winded and they're coming off and they're low and they're they're driving uh, on some of those double teams and getting big-time movement up front. Looks really good. Yep. Okay, defensively, what do you think? Uh, I thought, all in all, that was pretty good. Maybe Maybe better than I expected. I thought I thought the pass rush looked looked pretty good. I thought the tackling looked pretty good. I thought coverage downfield for the most part looked pretty good. I know we did give up the long one to to Gibson um, where he was. Um, we had a guy beat. The touchdown to Mims was looked like a mistake in coverage, and you know there was some mistakes out there. But all in all, I. I I just came away and maybe it's just because of the good vibes of the overall weekend, but I came away feeling pretty solid about the defense, especially knowing that they split a lot of those guys up. You know, it's kind of the same as when you're trying to evaluate an offensive line that's been pieced together. It's the same with the secondary and linebackers that are usually used to communicating with one another and coverage and stuff and and adjustments. So all of that considered, I would say overall, Looked pretty good. I thought I thought Stripling had a really nice day. He was all over the place. He was beating guys in one-on-one. He was splitting double teams. He was showing up in the run game. Uh, he looked really good out there. Uh, I thought Ethan Downs, he looked great. He was uh, late when everyone else was starting to get tired. He wasn't. He was beating, was it Savion Bird like a drum <laughs> over and over, unfortunately, but uh he looked good i i thought the backers as a group played pretty good um 
you know, there, there was some mistakes out there, no doubt, but there's some good downhill play by the backers. Deshaun White made a nice play coming downhill. Stutzman was, was all over the place. I would say all in all, just generally speaking, I was happy with how the defense played. Yeah. I thought the only thing, you know, if, if you don't get stops early in drives, right. And that tempo gets going. Life gets life gets miserable if you yep. if you're playing defense uh, against Jeff Levy's system. But thought Jordan Kelly did some and shouldn't be surprised, right? They they've said he's been their most consistent guy all all spring along that defensive line. So he had a couple of nice rushes, right? Um, and now maybe some breakdowns and protection that led to those nice rushes. But he also he won some one on one battles, and you you got to get a rush from the interior of the defensive line. And maybe, maybe Jordan Kelly ends up being that, that guy you mentioned, Ethan down. So I thought the hustle play of him rallying to the ball and forcing stoops to fumble. That was, that was basically like giving Brent Venables drugs. Yeah. It's just like, yes, that's yes. Because you know, that's the type of, he calls it what uncommon effort, right? That's exactly what he wants to see. And yeah, Marcus Stripling had the best day of anyone on defense. By far. He was all over the place. He was in the backfield nonstop. And that's good to see, man. They need him to come along. Yeah. Because his body type and like his skill set on the edge, like you look at Downs and Laulu and a couple of these other guys on the edge, like if Stripling can play with that, twitch and like suddenness like that that could be huge for this team i agree 100 percent. yeah i thought uh i thought grimes between stripling grimes and downs i thought the edges looked pretty good i thought luulu looked looked kind of slow and heavy footed out there um at times and i don't know if that is like a thinking and processing situation and you know he's he's just trying to get acclimated to the system that can happen um but i think we've got some really good we got some good signs of really good play on the edges which is really important yeah i thought stutzman had a couple nice run throughs too yeah yeah the run game he played i thought he played well i did i thought he played well um i saw a couple of times he got the uh the come here from venables and had to run over there and just see him, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. Uh, and then trying to get back over there and, and make a call, get the defense set up. But um, he's active. That's the thing you love about him is he can run. He's active, um, plays hard. The rest is going to come. Yeah. And then Billy Bowman, that is, it's going to be fun to watch his growth at safety. Right? There's a couple moments where you're like, okay, you can see the inexperience. And then there's a couple moments where you see the explosiveness and the oh, speed yeah. and the power. And you're like, Oh, this could end up being really good. I'm, you know what? I'm really interested to see. I Bowman key Lawrence. And I, if Justin Harrington can get it together and play that nickel spot, and we'll also do some three safety stuff at times. Like that is, 
that's a really athletic group. And I know Bowman's a little on the small size, but the other two are not. Uh, so uh, there, there's some, some really good things. Jordan Mukes made some plays back there, too, and he's got some good size at safety. And, and he I don't also know gave if anyone, up some plays. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if anyone's seen the uh, the the video of uh, our boy from Tulsa Union that's not here yet running the Jane Rowe. Meters. Woo! I cannot wait for that dude to get on campus. He's going to look good. So, no, nah, I think we've got some good things going in the secondary. And I thought corner was strong. I thought I thought the corner play was pretty good. Yeah, I mean, other than you think about the big plays in the game, clearly, hey, you know, Gibson just won, right? And then Gibson won, and Theo Weiss, whenever you got the quarterback scrambling out, uh, was a, a really nicely thrown ball. That's that's a tough one to win on. Can't let the quarterback get out of the pocket like that. But there was some good stuff in the secondary from the corners. Yeah. All right, let's get to call your shot. And we asked you something pretty simple, your number one takeaway from OU spring game. Uh, this first one comes from John Human on Twitter, who says, the team walking arm in arm with coach in the middle, one unit, there's only one. New tradition, right? Yep, that was pretty cool. And you know what's interesting I've always I've always wondered about this. I OU we're really light on some of the tradition stuff. You know? You're right. Like, yeah. We've had There's a couple no of like... things like they 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 started doing what the champions walk, is that what they call it where where they get off the buses and stuff? Yeah, but they need to open Lindsay Street for tailgating for that to be cool. Yes. Because right yes. now it is, it is not. It's right. not. You go go look at videos of what do they call it in Tennessee? I think the Vol Walk. Yeah. Go look at that, and then compare it to what what we got going on. So long way to go with the uh, the old what the Walk of Champions or whatever whatever. We I like label it, it though. I mean, I like that you're going to go out there and you're going to do it together and. I thought that that was, I thought that was cool. I thought it was, it's, it's needed. You know, we need stuff like that for, for everyone to pull together, win, loss, whatever you go, uh, stand arm in arm with your brothers and do your thing. Yeah. And then after the game, uh, all stood together, locked up yep. again and sang the alma mater. Yep. That's new. Yep. I like it. Good stuff. I wonder how many of those guys actually know the words. I'm guessing I'm, you, they, they had they a little cram that? session uh, right. week of, so sure wonder what the retention it. rate was. Uh, some mumbling cup. All you need is like 10% of the guys to know it. And everyone else just kind of mumble along. Is that how I, it usually goes? I was standing there. I was doing my part. <laughs> I wore, I wore a shirt with the alma mater, uh, praise on the back of it for like two straight years to OU games when I was a kid. So I nice. gosh, know it like the back of my hand. Okay. This next one comes from Braylon D Rogers, who says to an eligible player downfield penalties. I know that made Teddy happy for those to be yes. called, <laughs> which here's the thing. You should not be able to have anyone pass the line of scrimmage 
at all on a passing play if they're not an eligible receiver. The fact that they get anything at all is total crap. Should not be able to have anything. They even get it. They get a yard in the NFL. Okay, I'll give you a yard. That's it. Should not be able to have more than a yard. There's no reason on a passing play. You get three. Three. That's a three yards is a huge territory. There's no reason for that if, on a passing play. If if the linebacker reads run, which by the way, the reason. So some people were wondering why are we getting these ineligible receiver downfield penalties because. This is true RPO. So Dylan Gabriel, when he talks to the offensive line, he tells them to block run. When he's communicating that to him, he's telling them a run play. Now, there are route concepts that are coming off of that with the wide receivers. And if he likes the numbers matchup, or if he's reading one guy in particular to see how he's playing the situation, he may throw the pass concept, whether that's a bubble whether that's a different route combination, like that is there's on the quarterback. two plays happening at once. Correct. There's a running play and there's a passing play simultaneously. And the quarterback has the option to hand to it. Cheat. To cheat. He has the option to cheat <laughs> and pull it out and throw it with linemen downfield. This is what you were going to say. I, I was going to say he has the option to hand the ball to the running back or to throw whatever route combination is being run by by the skill guys. So you're going to have to get used to it, man. It's a big part of this offense. You're just gonna, you're going to have to accept you're going to have to accept it, embrace it and love it. If everyone else is going to cheat, you're going to have to cheat too. That's just how it goes. Make them call it. I don't know why I've been I've been saying oh you should do more of that stuff for years. Right? Make them call it. It's very similar it takes me back to the way that the Seahawks Legion of Boom secondary played. They're not yep. going to call pass interference every time. So just yep. grab the hell out of people. Make them call <laughs> That's it. Right. That's right. I feel the same way about RPOs. And mate, you're going to be blocking linebackers and banging slants right in behind them. <laughs> and your dead may explode, Ted. I know. It's frustrating, but whatever. Uh, this this last one, actually, there's two more I want to get to. This one comes from David Holt, who says, and he's not, this is not Mayor David Holt. This is a different David Holt, although we appreciate both of these. We appreciate both David Holt's. He says, we will be hearing a lot of, a lot less of both you boys on the broadcast when the Sooners have the ball because of lack of time in between plays. That's true. Yep. I, was I may not with, talk all year. I was talking with Chad about that. It's like, if if you're gonna tell what happened and the formation and what went down, there's no there's no time for anything else. I mean it's it's uh it's pretty quick. Drive reviews coming, okay? That's what's gonna be happening this year. Yeah, and this last one, Dustin Armstrong says on a player note, Michael Turk's punt was the play of the game. It's pretty good. It's pretty damn good. It was the play of the game. The Gibson touchdown was the play of the game. Yeah. But it a was it was pretty good. Yard he is bomb. I will say this. Two exciting things. He's really good at punting. And I know you are beyond excited that they are running an actual punt formation now. Oh. It's just it's the greatest thing ever. I 
I've been making fun of our punt formation for, I don't know, as long as I've been covering OU now, a decade, I guess. I've been making fun of it, um, cracking jokes, and it's just, it's special. It's special to see a real punt formation, right? It's beautiful. It's a thing of beauty out there. A couple of wings, a personal protector, two gunners. Let's get it on. You were so that was the happiest you were all day when we yeah. talked about an actual pump. It was the icing on the cake. It really was icing on the cake for the whole weekend was a true pump formation. Yeah. All right. Birthday shout outs. Happy upcoming fourth birthday to Vivian Elliott. This one's not on your list. So just start the list. Happy 25th birthday to your Bryant Dillbeck. <laughs> do, do Brian Dillbeck, Bryant Dillbeck again. Happy 25th birthday to Bryant Dilbeck. Happy 29th birthday to Lauren Dunlap. Yes. L-O-R-A-N. Lauren, right? Not Loran. Lauren. Yep. Nice. Happy 38th birthday to Heather Cook. Happy 56th birthday to Corey Maldonado. And that is from your favorite son, Evan. And ca- congratulations to Tom and Jess Qualls on their marriage congratulations guys may you guys live in marital bliss for the rest of your days all right let's finish up with winners and losers of the weekend but first it's time to get back out on the golf course people and there's nothing better to drink on the course than the number one seltzer in golf clubby seltzers clubby seltzers is an oklahoma company that is already winning national awards because their product is delicious Tastes exactly like a club special, but it's a seltzer. They're not just for the golf course either. They're perfect to drink by the pool, after mowing the lawn, whatever. If you haven't tried Clubby Seltzers yet, go grab some. You won't regret it. Clubby's first variety pack is coming out in May. To find a place near you that has Clubby's, visit ClubbySeltzers.com. And attention, business owners. You need Insurica in your life. Yeah, you do. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business, Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best-in-class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. And go get some Ted's Tacos and Cantina. It is an awesome bar with fantastic food. And they just dropped their latest Berea creation, the Wet Dia. This massive quesadilla is loaded with slow-cooked beef Berea, cheese, onions, cilantro, and spicy mocajete sauce. And comes with a side of beef consomme for dipping. I've had it. It's fantastic. If you love delicious food, delicious drinks, and fantastic service, head to Ted's Tacos and Cantina. They have locations in Uptown OKC, Ada, and Ardmore. Visit tedstacocantina.com 
for more information. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the week? Well, I thought about going with uh, Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss. Uh, they've got a couple of options at quarterback. The Altmaier kid uh, apparently played really well, outplayed Jackson Dart, who transferred from Southern Cal. Uh, they got two good options there. Altmaier, uh, we saw him come in last year at times, looked pretty good. And um, I don't know, going to be pretty good for them to, to carry on offensively there after Matt Corral's going off to the NFL. But uh, I ended up going with the USFL. How much of the USFL have you watched? Limited? I've watched very, very minimal. And it's because it's going up against the NBA playoffs. Dude, I love the NBA playoffs. Mm -hmm. And I, I love football. I love it. But I don't know, man. I did, is the USFL, is it doing it for you? I like it. I, don't I like know it too, but it's just like NBA. Do I want to watch Jason Tatum or do I want to watch yeah. USFL? You know what I mean? It's tough. Timing is tough. Um, there's not enough time in the day to watch everything. But if basketball's not your thing and football's your thing, you got to check it out. I think it's fun. Good coaches, good players. Um, it's not gimmicky, but they've done some really cool things. They've got some guys mic'd up, which is which is really cool, but I don't know. I just, it's been, it's been cool. I think they've gotten pretty good uh, ratings. The first week they got really good way, uh, ratings. Three and a half million uh, people were watching. Uh, I'm not sure what the ratings are week two, uh, especially with all the, the M NBA playoffs going on, but I don't know. I just think it's a, a product that looks good. It, I think the broadcasts have been really good. you got some good play going on out there. It's just all in all been enjoyable to watch. I I did catch some of the New Orleans Breakers game. Yeah. That was beat down. What the yeah. bandits? Yeah. That was I, I watched some of it and I was like, oh, this is a blowout. So I turned it off. Full full disclosure. Yeah. And it's what they're all being played down in Birmingham, which Which is, is the weird. That isn't that weird? It's weird, but it's smart because one of the things that eats up a startup league is like travel costs and stuff like that, like flying everyone all over the place to play. I mean, chartering a jet to fly, you know, a hundred plus people is extremely expensive. So to house everyone in the same area, the same practice facilities and, and utilize all that stuff saves the league a ton of money. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I just, Maybe it's uh, I'm a football maniac. I don't know. I just I love that they're doing it, and I like that. I like that it gives guys. You know, one of the things that, you know, we talked about the lack of preseason games and some of the stuff in the NFL. Like this gives an avenue to some some players that haven't been on a roster to stay active and continue to be evaluated by NFL teams. So I like that aspect of it too. Just really cool so far. Yeah, I, I, I'm a big fan of, you know, being a bottom of the roster guy my entire NFL career, like I, I'm all for these guys having more opportunities to put stuff on tape, right? And that's that's the important thing. I, As far as them doing everything there in Birmingham, like I get it. It's all about putting the TV product out. Like I completely understand that. But 
Have you ever watched the uh, PLL, that lacrosse league? No. They, and they just, they just did a big deal with the, they just did a big like TV deal with ESPN and they take the league, like every team and they travel to different cities like for, you know, three or four day stretches mm -hmm. and everyone plays like in that city. And I That's wonder cool. if, I wonder if the USFL could get to that. I and you're right. Like they're saving a ton of money, just, you know, making it a TV product as right. opposed to, you know, everyone playing in their own city and stuff. So, but I wonder if they could get to that kind of traveling model and you could go like there could be games on that's a good you know, idea. Saturday and Sunday or something like, you know what I mean? No, that's, that's a really good idea. Yeah. I, I actually like that a lot, but it's like they could come to Oklahoma city and sure. like during, you know, June or what I, I haven't, I haven't checked when they're going to do the USFL playoffs, but like once spring ball for OU is over, like they show up and they play at wherever and you can go and you can watch you know, a couple different games or something. I don't know. Not to, not to go too long on this, but have I ever told you my idea for a pro football league? I don't believe so. The problem with like the USFL and the XFL is you don't, it, it's so hard to get a fan base. Like if you're a Dallas team, everyone's already a fan of the Dallas Cowboys or like everyone's kind of already has their teams. It's really hard to get people to take on a new team. So the best way to utilize that is to go with an already existing fan base. The University of Oklahoma, all players that don't go to the NFL should have an option to play on a University of Oklahoma pro football team that goes and plays against Georgia's pro football team of guys that aren't in the NFL and Alabama's pro football team that's not in the, And you've got these huge built-in fan bases that are already there. And whether you play it in the spring or you play it on a different day in the fall, I don't know, but I think that would be cool. And you already have the built-in, everyone already knows the players and already has a, a, a good grasp of who they are. Could, could you mix the teams a little bit? Could it be like Georgia and Oklahoma's team? Or is it only because like you have to have I mean, just think of all the guys you have to have. Like, you want it yeah. to be a high level of play. Maybe you could do, like, I don't know. Would Oklahoma-Oklahoma State team be okay? I, yeah, I think that I think that can would you, be digestible for people, don't you? And it, it actually we, would kind of be kind of cool. We could root for the same team. That'd be weird. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we've sure got the, the Thunder if we do that. But. Link up with the rival. But, but, yeah, somehow, like, to me, that's the only way you have a – uh, a built-in built-in fan base is the university actually has a pro football team and they've already got a lot of the infrastructure that you would need. So I don't know, just an idea. No, I like it. All right. Who do you have as your loser of the weekend? Well, I thought about going with Yankee fans. Did you see that deal? <laughs> Why hell? were they throwing all that stuff? I don't know. I guess they're Yankee fans. I mean, no. I I shouldn't be stunned. What a wild scene. It's just, it, it, that was crazy. But I had to go with Ben Simmons. You know, the way that the trade went down, everyone's kind of been holding out hope. And I, 
I wouldn't expect that he would be of much help anyways. Okay. If, if you haven't played in that long and then all of a sudden you, you show up and play, maybe he would be, I don't know. But when Reggie Miller starts calling you out saying you have zero competitive fire, not, you know, facing what they're facing right now, still not going to play. That's got to suck. And it doesn't spin things very good for you, whether you're ready or not. Uh, everyone's kind of been waiting and waiting and waiting for him to finally make that dramatic entrance uh, and start helping out, but it's not coming. I I was not very surprised that Ben Simmons, uh, when the reports came out that he was going to be available, like I was excited because if you get the best version of Ben Simmons, and I'm not like, I'm not, saying like all of a sudden he'd miraculously learn how to shoot the ball. That's not like if he's just playing defense and running in transition, like he's a great player, but I think he's kind of soft. Well, I think, I think we've learned that from the and I, I know it's, it's a, it's a tricky situation, right? With the mental health situation. I understand that, but it seems like it's always something with this guy. Now I'm biased. Because I can't even remember who it was, but I was told that Ben Simmons was a total ass before he even went to LSU. Like, this is way back. And then he went to LSU, and as soon as he was at LSU, there was, like, a bunch of problems. Like, he wasn't going to, like, class. Like, it was, like, right from the beginning. So, I have had this skewed opinion of him since before he ever played a college basketball game, but it does get the feeling like there's not much of a give a rip there, you know, and maybe I, I can't blame him. I will say people are talking about him and it's either about him not playing or it seems like he was going to play and then they went down three Oh, and now he's not going to play. And then, Everyone's just talking about the outfits he's wearing on the bench. Flashy. Certainly getting my attention. I, mean, I, I look at big Ben Simmons. And I'm like, Hey, could I pull that off? Probably not. It's probably a strong no, but maybe I'd like to try. I don't know. Let's it get would weird. Take some adjust. You would need an adjustment. You would need to like build up to that before you just show up. No, nope. if we're, if you're going to start, if you're going to dress like that at any point, it's like a full dive into the deep end. Let's just, let's, let's start trying this and see what the reaction is. That's peacocking, right? Isn't that what he's doing? He's peacocking. Who wants to peacock whenever you are not playing? Let's not it's, draw a bunch of attention to ourselves. That, that is what, that's funny. I was talking to my wife about that. It's like, you would think that like, he'd just be kind of laying low, you know, some neutral colors, Right. We're, we're like a warm up. Like you're like, you're the guys on the bench that aren't playing. Just do so, that. Some blacks, some whites, some grays, maybe, but no, it's like bright green, pink. He's got like these glasses on. You're just like, all right, man. Uh, but his back his back hurts. So yeah. Are we supposed to feel bad for him still? Well, were we ever supposed to I, I listen? And I'm, Hey, I am. I am big on the mental health side of things. Like I've, I've talked a lot about 
you know, how I, I had to address some things when I was playing in the NFL and stuff like that. Like I've talked a lot about that, but at what point are you like, this guy just, just, I don't Does he even want to play? Again, I'm biased, but almost everything that he's ever done since that person told me that before he ever played in college has reinforced what that person told me, everything he's ever done. So I don't know. I don't know if I feel bad for him or not. He's had a ton of great opportunity. uh, And for whatever reason, it doesn't look like it's ever been worth his full attention. Interesting. Interesting. All right, let's get to my winner and loser. But first, First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs. Checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more, they do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. And if you are a whiskey or bourbon drinker, stop what you're doing, head to your favorite liquor store, and buy some Balcones products. you got to grab some of Balcones Lineage Single Malt Whiskey. It was just voted one of the top 20 whiskeys in the world by Whiskey Advocate, and you'll be shocked by how affordable it is. Also, you got to snag some of Balcones Baby Blue Corn Whiskey. It's made from blue corn. That's the fancy corn. And that is why it has won more than 25 awards. Last but certainly not least, you got to buy some of Balcony's Pot Still Bourbon. Its big flavors make it the perfect bourbon to drink year-round. Remember, in 2012, Balcony's Single Malt won the Best in Glass competition, beating brands like Johnny Walker and McAllen became the first American distillery to win the competition. This stuff is the real deal, people. If you love great whiskey and bourbon at a great price, the Balcony's products are the only way to go. The whiskey may be made in Texas, but the owners, yes, they are from Oklahoma. To find a liquor store that has it, visit balconiesdistilling.com. All right, for my winner of the weekend, let's talk some Formula One, Ted. Yes. I know this is becoming your favorite part it of the is. podcast. Favorite part of the I, podcast. I thought about going with Red Bull's Formula One racing team. Dominant performance at the Amola Grand Prix. Which, by the way, is in is in Italy. I think okay, I'm saying I was that right. Amola, I believe it's a. I, I think it could be wrong. It could be Imola. I think it's Amola, though. That's that's what they said on the broadcast, at least. Nice. But one two finish for Red Bull. So one two for Verstappen and Perez. Max Verstappen won a race. Shocker, but can't get much better than a one two. This is where it gets interesting, Ted. Lewis Hamilton, Mercedes, they're struggling, man. Uh oh. And I mean, like, actually struggling. I don't mean like they're finishing, like, he finished like third. He finished 13th. Now, I will say, George Russell, who's his teammate from Mercedes, did finish fourth. Hell of a drive from George Russell. But, Ted, this is the part where I educate you about a little thing called porpoising. Mm hmm. 
you know, like a dolphin, you understand, yeah. like a porpoising, like the up yeah. and down. They got a bad porpoising problem, man. And I, I went down kind of a rabbit hole, and I was like, okay, I'm going to explain the complex physics, the aerodynamics, like what's going on with the air under the car, over the top. And I was like, I can't do that. I, I was literally just going to repeat everything I watched on this video. That would have been stupid. This is what's going on. This is the simple way to describe Mercedes issue, right? Remember, they made all the changes to the Formula One cars, the tires, like all these things. Basically, what is happening is the aerodynamics of the car are off. So the car is basically bouncing up and down a ton while these guys are driving it. And that doesn't sound like a ton of fun driving a car that is doing that when you're driving like a, over 150 miles per hour, like the front's just lifting and you're just bouncing. That doesn't, that doesn't sound like a fun time for George Russell and, and for Lewis Hamilton and hearing these guys radio calls where they're just like, Oh, this is painful. It's so hard. Like it just, they're just sitting there like bouncing in the car. I, it looks brutal, man. Porpoising. Well, team Mercedes should be pissed. What's going on here? This is what the off season is for, right? Get that damn car in the wind tunnel and figure out the aerodynamics. Let's get out on the test track. What was Hamilton doing? Partying on yachts all off season. Let's go. These issues should have been figured out before the season ever started. Think it doesn't just start porpoising out of nowhere, right? If the aerodynamics have not changed, this should have been fixed way back before the season started. They, from my understanding, they've had a pretty constant porpoising problem and they just can't figure it out. And there's some other teams that are also having this issue, but this is like, this team has been packs. They've been, they've been dominant. And I know that Verstappen won last year, right? But Mercedes has been like the standard in this sport for quite some time. And the fact that it's as bad as it is just listening to the comments from the drivers, like it's, it's nuts. Are they blaming uh, Formula One for the issue with changing the cars? They seem to be taking full responsibility themselves that they can't figure this thing out. Toto Wolf, he, I, I don't think you know who Toto Wolf is. He well, seems I know like that he needs to start blaming Formula One, not himself, if he wants to keep his job. He, <laughs> he is. He seems like an ultra confident guy. Some very uncharacteristic statements from him lately, like they. Uh-oh. They seem they seem confused, man. It's a big deal. Big deal Brutal. in the sport. Brutal. But yeah, Verstappen won. Shocker. Um, but my winner of the weekend, Boston Celtics. Got the win in Brooklyn Saturday night. Went up 3-0 in that series. It's crazy to think that you look at the NBA playoffs and now that Denver got a win, right? That the Nets may be the only team that gets swept. And crazy. I I watched, I watched that entire game Saturday night. Jason Tatum was the best player on the floor. And Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving were on the same floor. He was, he's awesome. And he's been awesome the last couple of months. And, you know, the 39 points are one thing, but like the guy he's become on the defensive end is, I mean, the guy, like he's taken pride 
and how he's playing on the defensive end of the floor and making like he's making along with the other guys like they're just they're using what I like to call the football formula. The more physical team is winning, man. They're just beating them up. They're making Durant's life miserable. And they're making it really tough on them every possession, him and Kyrie. And I know Kyrie's doing the fasting thing and like that. That that doesn't make things any better. But what, Durant took 11 shots in that game? And he had to work his ass off to get those 11 shots up. I mean, they were all over him. They have... They have so many guys they can throw at them. Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, uh, Time Lord's back, Robert Williams. I mean, they just, hell, even Al Horford can stay in front of these guys when he gets switched on them in the pick and roll stuff. Like, they are, I'm not cheering for the Celtics. I want to make that really clear because it kind of sounds like I'm going to cheer for the Celtics. That's not going to happen, but I enjoy watching the effort this team is playing with right now. And for them to be bought in on the defensive end of the floor like they are and to have, you know, one of the best shot makers in the league right now in Tatum, like, they're fun to watch. And it, it feels like over these last couple months, Jason Tatum has, he has elevated himself in in the ranks of NBA players. Like, I, with the way he's playing right now, I don't know if there's five, six players that I'd take instead of him. Like, to be, he's 24 years old, dude. Yeah. And size, length, athleticism, attitude, shot making, defense. Like, he is, that he is taking a step, and it's fun to watch. Yeah. Can't believe I was just so complimentary of the Celtics. I feel gross. I know. I will go back and explain the the Kyrie fasting thing. I believe he practices Islam. Ramadan. Ramadan. Correct. Huh. I didn't know that. Yes. Interesting. Which, hey, do what you got to do. But that when when you talk about playing playing in the NBA playoffs and not being able to eat or drink anything. What is it? Is it just at night? It's when the I sun's put, up. When Oh, so it's when the sun's up. So you, I have it reversed. I, got I believe you. so. Let me check because it'd be really embarrassing if I got that wrong. Yeah, Say something about Kyrie. Well, Ramadan fasting rules. <laughs> Kyrie. Um, From dawn to dusk. So is that dawn yeah, to dusk? During the day. That's during the day, right? Yeah. Okay. So I had it right. Did I have it right, or did you have it? Yeah, right? Yeah, you had it right. Okay. 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 That's how. So, like, you're playing in the playoffs. That was that was probably just the stupid, the stupidest minute in the history of this podcast. <laughs> us being like, wait, what? But yeah, so you got that, and then Durant to me. Durant looks worn out. He like just, and it's, it's because the Celtics are making him have just have to work so hard to get his shots and just get space. But also like you go back and look at some of these minutes he's logged this year just to get him into the playoffs. 
I think I mean, he's getting old, man. A lot of miles. I think he's just, I think he's worn out. I think he's tired. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's interesting. He's taken a, he's taken an interesting path, man. Kevin Durant has, and I'm sure it's got to be weighing on him. It's got to be really frustrating to be where they are right now. Yeah. He, uh, he joined up with Kyrie Irving. That is a, it's a strategy. And uh, I'll say this about the Celtics, the turnaround this year, one of the crazier things I've seen in pro sports. Yep. Like they are, they're good. I wouldn't be surprised if they win at all. I really wouldn't. Like if they can stay healthy, that's always the key, right? In these playoffs. They beat Philly. And beats hurt. Yeah. Thumb. I, and I don't like he, he can still score, right? Like remember the night it happened and it came out, right? He's got a, he's going to have surgery after the year, torn ligaments in that thumb. He, he just, he, and he said it publicly, just not the same rebounder. Like it's affecting his rebounding and it's just bad timing, right? Is Golden like, State going to win it? They might. Have you watched Jordan Poole, dude? Oh, he's awesome. Wow. I don't, I, this is as wide open as the NBA playoffs has felt. And I don't know how long it's going to be fun. It's a, it's, well, I guess it's not a changing of the guard if Golden State is back, but like Le, with LeBron being out of it again and. Oh, don't worry. And, he, he tweeted that he will not miss the playoffs again in his career. Uh, okay. He put that out in Good. the ether. Ain't happening Good. again. Good. Wild. I, I'm not sure he's looked at their cap situation for next year and who's locked in and who's not. Maybe you should take a look at that. He is the GM. Yeah. They've got, well, now that uh, Luau Dang is finally off of the books, they can uh, maybe go sign some other people. Nice. All right. For my loser of the weekend, what was the woman, what was she trying to do at the Grizzlies Timberwolves game? What is what is going what on? What are these in this people series? doing? Is it someone every game in this series has done something crazy? We had we had Glue Lady. Yeah. Was that in the play-in game or is that in game one of this series? I think it might have been in the play-in game. I don't remember. But we had Glue Lady. Then we had Chain Yourself Plastic. to the Stanchion Lady. Plastic Chain Lady. Yeah. Plastic Chain Lady. And now we have rush the court and get smoked by the most aware <laughs> security guard of all time. Like, listen, great anticipation. There was some film study that went into that. Like the recognition saw the, saw the friend pull out the phone, get ready to record it. The reaction time, solid form tackle, uh, got the hands behind the back too. flipped it. Like just, I mean, flawless execution. That is, that is dedication to the craft. Right there. It's, after you've had those previous two episodes, not a good time to go storming the court. They're they're prepared. They're ready. It was it was just a beautiful, beautiful all around play by the security guard. Everything about it. Just incredibly well done. Awesome. But my my loser of the weekend, I'm going with college football graduate assistants. A lot of people know them as GAs. Because mm-hmm. this this came out last week that there are there are going to be some some changes right because 
Now, now, when you look at a GA's life, they're, they're already doing the worst stuff, right? They're doing all the film breakdown, all the tagging of the film. They're doing all the busy work that no one wants to do is what they have to do. And that creates some long hours. It's not an easy gig, you know, but it's kind of a rite of passage up the coaching ladder. Well, the NCA playing rules oversight panel approved three things this week. And I am assuming that two of these things that were approved will make GA's jobs even worse. Because the first thing they, they approved, we've all been asking them for to, to make adjustments to the, the targeting rule, right? We're hoping maybe it could be a tiered thing like, hey, one's a 15-yard penalty. The other, you get kicked out. Like, it was just you. Egregious. You, it was egregious. You were trying to hurt a guy, right? You're launching in his head, like all that stuff. So we're all hoping maybe we would get to that system at some point. But it's unlikely, right, with, with how the optics of player safety. So the, the oversight panel, the rules oversight panel, made this adjustment. If a player gets ejected for targeting in the second half of a game, in a game that has instant replay, Conferences will have the ability to appeal the decision with video evidence to the NCAA national coordinator of officials to try to convince them that a player shouldn't miss the first half of the next game. So I guess this is like an appeals process, if you will. And when I saw it, I was like, okay, that's interesting. Isn't that kind of just saying then that your refs got it wrong, but okay, whatever. But, then I realized who's going to be in charge of pushing the conference to do that and putting the clips together and writing the report and all that stuff. It's going to be GA's Ted. <laughs> yep. It's going to be yep. one more thing. And then Add that to the, uh, the list of, of other reports you're putting together, third down report, short yardage and goal line report. And the other thing that, the rules oversight panel approved was schools can now submit complaints basically about teams faking injuries during games. So if the, if the national coordinator of officiating deems it necessary, then the fakers can be disciplined. You submit your report. They say, Oh, you're right. They were faking injuries. Then there's going to be some type of disciplinary process. Guess who's going to have to put together those videos of the (laughs) opposing of the opposing team faking injuries and have to write that report and submit that complaint. Here's the problem too, is that is not going to be on film. The film starts right before the snap and it goes off right after the snap. They're going to be searching through the TV footage, which brings on a whole new level. Well, if you're at home, there is a continuous feed camp. Yeah, that's true. W- way up top where it's, you see everything and it never turns off. So they're going to be COVID through that. <laughs> it's going to be, I mean, I, I saw this. And the other thing they, it, it was a block below the waist thing. Like you, basically you can do it in the tackle box. You can't outside the tackle box anymore. That's, it is what it is. But those two things, I was just like, oh my gosh. Graduate assistants, buckle up. You're going to have some more work to do. Hey, I, I, I would say that 
I would I would be on board if you if they have to if a trainer has to come on the field for you, you shouldn't be able to come in the rest of the quarter. Rest of the quarter? What happens if yeah. it happens on like the second play of the quarter? Well, if you're hurt, well then you shouldn't lay on the field if you're not hurt. I I feel like that's a little too much. I could I could get on board maybe with you can't go back in the rest of the possession, maybe, but the rest of the quarter, that's that's a lot. Don't go down if you're not hurt. Well, if like you get the wind knocked out, like you take a helmet straight to the gut, you know, and you're just like you're gasping, you're like if you're laying on the if you're laying on the ground because you got the wind knocked out of you, you shouldn't be able to come back in the game, period. All right. All you do is hold your breath, wait for the spasm to release, and you'll be fine. I'll say this. I I can't wait to see which OUGA gets the uh, fake fake injury report submissions because that's going to happen this season with the tempo they're going to play with oh on offense. Oh, my God, I know. It's going to happen nonstop. Yeah. Well, what's so. the punishment? I don't know. I couldn't really find the details on it. I don't know if they've established the uh, the discipline structure. I don't know. Hmm. What do you just call them and tell them, say, not cool, man. Don't do that. Or like suspend <laughs> we heard them. You, you guys can't are find doing the this. kids. Don't, don't, do it, don't do it today. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. Episode 208 in the books. We'll have a new podcast. Hey, do you want to record Wednesday morning? Uh, yeah. Because I don't think I have a problem with that. Because we've got Dane Brugler, the NFL draft analyst for the Athletic, and I want to get that out because the first round's Thursday night, so I want to get it out a little earlier. Yeah, I'm down with that. Let's do it. Yeah, I haven't asked my wife, so I'll. Okay, <laughs> I know I just well, suggested it, but I'll get, get back permission, to you. Let me know and I'll see if I can get permission. <laughs> yeah, I'll let's both get permission to maybe. So maybe our our middle of the week episode will be out a little earlier than usual, kind of like it was last week. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from three to six on 947 the ref. You can hear me from three to five on Sirius XM Big 12 Radio Channel 375. Hope you all have a great week. Until next time, we appreciate y'all for listening. And do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one more time.